2: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, ladies and germs, here he is, the rock and roll outlaw. That's right, I'm talking about your captain.
1: Yeah, don't be a fart sniffer. It's good to be seen. It's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend.
2: Today we are very lucky to still have some Black Tuesday Grand Reserve 2020 from the brewery. This is a massively complex Imperial Stout which is aged for two years in bourbon barrels and then an additional year in rye whiskey barrels. Garage grade four and a five bottle caps. And let's give some praise and cheers to our friends that helped us out this week. First up. A double-barrel cheers, and thanks to Mary and Luke
1: listening in Beecher, Illinois. A big shout-out to Laura in Union Grove, Alabama. And here we have a cheers to Tonda
2: in Guthrie, Oklahoma.
1: And a big we-like-your-jib to Mark in Austin, Texas. Here's another
2: double-barrel cheers to Jacob and Josette in Loganville, Georgia. And last but certainly not least, we have Carolyn W., in Lincoln, Nebraska, everyone we just mentioned. They went to TrueCrimeGarage.com and helped us out with this week's beer fund, and for that,
1: we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-W-R-U-N Beer Run. Guys, be patient. We're behind on the beer run, so we will get to you when we get to you, and that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather
2: around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
3: directly to the killer who may be in this room. Only a coward would do such a thing. What will those closest to you think of when they find out that you brutally murdered two little girls? Only a coward would do such a thing. Don't give up. We will not stop. Doug Carter, and he has taken the stand. We'll take a listen in. Hey, to the Delphi community, how grateful I am. You, um, you inspire people that you don't even understand, and you don't even understand why. Uh, information is being released today is the result of literally thousands and thousands of hours of extraordinary investigative efforts by Delphi, Carroll County, the FBI, the Indiana State Police and countless other agencies. This community surrounded us some 26 months ago and you did everything you could to support us but most importantly you surrounded the family of these two little girls. Gosh, I'll never forget it. After you hear what we're going to release today, I'm going to ask for your continued support, your continued understanding, your empathy and compassion uh, as we we move forward uh, to find out who did this, and we will. We're seeking the public's help to identify The driver of a vehicle that was parked at the old CPS DCS Welfare Building in the city of Delphi that was abandoned on the east side of county road 300 north next to the Hoosier-Heartland Highway between the hours of noon to 5 on February 14th, 2017. If you were parked there or know who was parked there, please contact the officers at the command post at the Delphi City Building. We're releasing additional portions of the audio recording from that day. Please keep in mind, the person talking is one person and is the person on the bridge with the girls. This is not two different people speaking. Please listen to it very, very carefully. We're also releasing video recovered from Libby's phone this video has never before been previously released. The video shows a suspect walking on the bridge. When you see the video, watch the, watch the person's mannerisms as they walk. Watch the mannerisms as he walks. Do you recognize the mannerisms as being someone that you might know? Remember, He is walking on the former railroad bridge. Because of the deteriorated condition of the bridge, the suspect is not walking naturally due to the spacing between the ties. During the course of this investigation, we have concluded the first sketch released will become secondary as of today. The result of the new information and intelligence over time leads us to believe the sketch, which you will see shortly, is the person responsible for the murders of these two little girls. We also believe this person is from Delphi, currently, or has previously lived here, visits Delphi on a regular basis, or works here. We believe this person is currently between the age range of 18 and 40, but might appear younger than his true age. Directly to the killer who may be in this room. We believe you are hiding in plain sight. For more than two years, you never thought we would shift gears to a different investigative strategy, but we have. We likely have interviewed you or someone close to you. We know that this is about power to you. And you want to know what we know, and one day you will. The question to you, what will those closest to you think of they find out that you brutally murdered two little girls, two children, only a coward would do such a thing? We are confident that you have told someone what you have done or at the very least, they know because of how different you are since the murders. We try so hard to understand how a person could do something like this to two two children. I recently watched a movie called The Shack, and there's also a book that talks so well about evil, about death, and about eternity to the murderer i believe you have just a little bit of a conscience left and i can assure you that how you left them in that woods is not it's not what they're experiencing today to the family I hope that you all will give them some time because we're going to be asking that there's no media inquiry or no media response for at least the next two weeks and I hope you understand why. The family found out about this, about this information this morning. I just want the family to know that when I take my last breath on this earth I'll be thinking of them. There's going to be a tremendous amount of questions. I know that. I know that. Uh, Never in my career have I stood in front of something like this. Please be be patient with us. Please. Uh, We're just beginning. We are are just now beginning. And I can tell you on behalf of the sheriff and the police chief, so many other partners um, that have stood with us over this period of time, that we will not... Stop. Directly to the killer who may be in this room. Only a coward would do such a thing. What will those closest to you think of when they find out that you brutally murdered two little girls? Only a coward would do such a thing.
4: Don't
3: give up. We will not
1: stop. All right, me and the Colonel are back in the garage talking with Skip Jansen about his person of interest, DP, and we will not stop. We've been working this case since the beginning, spending hours upon hours outside of the garage Talking with people, and that's how we really got hooked up with Skip and his person of interest. It, there's so much to it that makes sense, and so much that is still confusing. But one of the things that's confusing is why would they go with his sketch above a sketch that they had beforehand?
4: I think I think it was a lot of it had to do what they saw on on, on the video. They thought maybe they saw it. They saw an older guy, and I think it's it's important to remember that law enforcement was really. Emphasizing, you know, about the younger face, you know, pay attention to his what his body, his moves, is all of his, all of that, not not his face. I, I think the the video is not a good representation of that. And but law enforcement early on thought they were looking at somebody who looked more like the, what ended up being the first sketch than the second sketch.
1: Yeah, I think when you see the picture of BG or you see the video of BG, your mind goes towards an older gentleman. You see the second sketch, you go, "Wow, that is not." Anything like I pictured this person to be way younger.
4: I think people still believe that. You know, I think they see it in their mind that they that they see an older person. And they and they can't get that. They can't. Ch- they can't change that. They, they. It's just kind of burned in their in their brain.
1: Yeah, I still think people are baffled by this case because in 2019 press conference they released the image of a way younger looking individual saying he's between 18 and. Forty.
4: Right. Well, and that and at that point, that was when DP recanted his story and said that, yeah, maybe he didn't see that guy. Maybe he saw flannel shirt guy because he realized that flannel shirt guy was in close proximity to where he was during the time on the trails or said he was. So, but he, you know, but again, the scarf to me is the big takeaway. If he saw somebody with a scarf that he claimed was BG then now you're saying that you may have seen FSU. Was FSG wearing a scarf as well? He would have had to have been. I've never heard any evidence that FSU was wearing a scarf that day. So, I mean, that, again, just something else that doesn't really line up with what he's saying.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> he's, he constantly is changing his story. Uh, so confusing. But also the picture they released in 2019, the predominant feature to me is the hair. And there's rumors that he changed his appearance after that but but what is dp doing between 2017 and 2019 uh before that press conference
4: oh i think that he thinks he's he's gotten away with it. he's scott He you've got a you've got a uh sketch out there that looks nothing like him the fbi said that one of the things he this part might do is change his appearance um well he wouldn't have any reason to change his appearance if the sketch didn't look anything like him right he actually did change his appearance after the 2019 press conference and the new sketch came out shaved his head grew a beard so that would fall in line more with what they were what they were talking about
1: well i also feel like at the 2019 press conference when they come out with the information about the vehicle and asking for the driver it's almost like they know who they're talking about
4: yeah i think i think there was a lot uh, there were probably questions about that vehicle and who was in that vehicle and you know when it was there and who drove it there and all that originally and I think they probably let off with that because they wanted him to know that they they figured out how that all you know how it all went down and that they'd been lied to about that. I think that, I think that's one thing I think that's one thing that people are misunderstanding about one of the things about the case is that law enforcement I think was led astray for the first couple of years of this case because of all this, because of all the misdirection and false information. They've admitted that there were alibis that didn't didn't add up. It's in newspaper articles about it And um, so
1: when you see that is that where you go, hey, here's this guy online he's saying'm I'm, I'm an eyewitness here's oh, here's the people I was with. Oh nope nope that's not who I was with I was with some other people right So now we got a guy online saying I'm an eyewitness I was there but he's changing his story but then his alibis quote unquote his alibis would be changing their story as well. And then you see that happening online and then you see this language being used by police. Is that what sparks you to go? I think this guy should be a person of interest.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, giving the law enforcement false information is a reason people do it. I mean, it's uh, if you come forward, you're, the expectation is you're telling the truth. There's, you know, there's a, there's a reason you're trying to send them down one path. And so, yeah, that's to answer your question. Yeah. That's exactly why I looked into him as a, person of interest.
1: So you think 2019, they're directly talking to your person of interest DP. Can you explain that a little bit more?
4: I think, I think a lot of things, I think just about everything they said in there, you know, the fact that somebody, this guy had been, has been following the case. And that's, that's one, another thing is that I think one of the reasons law enforcement has been so skittish about, about releasing stuff is not because they don't have anything or not because, you know, they're doing it for another reason. Law enforcement isn't releasing information because they know this guy is following it and using that information to his benefit. Okay. that And that's, that's pretty obvious. So that's one of the things and I think that, um, you know, the, once the release of the sketch was out there, you know, th- everything changed. This guy stopped. This guy was not talking anymore. He, uh, you know, didn't seem, you know, so eager to get it, want to get his story out there. But I think everything they said in it was very pointed, and at particularly at, uh, at one individual.
1: And I can't get over the fact that after this press conference where they, one, they're turning a new direction or taking a new direction, but they're pointing the whole conference to the killer. This is calling out the killer. And then to have this person of interest change their appearance after the press conference, I, I have a real hard time getting over that.
4: Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. And his, his hair was, uh, you know, I know sketch is not a photo, but his hair was, would have been similar before he shaved it to what you, what you saw in the sketch.
1: When, when do you, do you know when he started pulling away from online chats and
4: not, not long after, not long after that, I don't know the exact date, but not long after the, uh, press conference, you know, you mentioned, you asked earlier about some of the things that were said. I think that, you know, when they said directly to the killer, you know, who might be in this room, you know, we believe you're hiding in plain sight and the part about you never thought we would shift gears to a different, uh, investigative strategy. Right. That, that goes to what I said about thinking he thought he was, he got away with it. You never thought, you know, they knew that he knew there was another sketch, but you know, he never thought that they were going to change to that. And I think that was just, I would think that was them making him aware that, uh, you know, kind of the jig is up. Yeah, you know, they also said that you know they've likely interviewed him. We know he went and talked to law enforcement.
1: Yeah, uh, he was making some statements about talking with law enforcement online.
4: He stated online that he went there and talked to law enforcement a couple of times. And he stated that he was there trying to help them. That was his. Uh, that was the word he used. He was trying yes, to help he, law enforcement.
1: He was a good Samaritan, just trying to help out. Uh, you know. So again, changes the story. He was there. Uh, again changing the story multiple times but changing his appearance we're always told to look out for that and then we have an eyewitness that is now lawyering up and pulling away from social media
4: he certainly hasn't been making any social media comments or anything like that like he was early in the case
1: well I heard his name brought up with a couple of people that I've been investigating the case with and back in the day he had his you can see everything on his social media you can see his posts you can see who he was friends with he seems to have very you know very much so gone dark on the internet you, you know you can't find much about this individual
4: you can't see anything you can't see anything online about him at all
1: it's almost you like know. he went dark
4: well and plus he's a he's an IT person he actually when he was a sophomore junior in high school he designed The county's website.
1: Yeah, it seems like he has a talent in this field, which you've told me personally that you think that's the reason why there's been so much misinformation from the beginning. Maybe he had access to things that other people didn't. But is this possibly the older individual that one of them was talking to online and and is he the reason for the scrubbing of the cell phone? Can you explain that a little bit?
4: Well, she, Libby, basically scrubbed her phone, re- rebooted it, restarted, reset it. Said she had, had some glitches. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe, uh, maybe she had been talking with somebody online. Certainly, someone with computer skills would know the reason to you know why you would why you would uh, reset your phone like that to get rid of any information or or uh, any trail of people you've been talking with.
1: Well, one of the things that I brought up to you in one of our discussions is we know that Snapchat photos were being posted. We know that one was posted at roughly, I think, 2.07. Right. I believe is the time. But there's no mention about did they take a couple pictures beforehand and post those? Did they take a couple pictures after those and post those? we're not privy to that information. I'm assuming if people were saying, well, they were walking on the bridge and talking and taking pictures and they were at the the park for a while already. I'm assuming that there was a couple Snapchats already uploaded, but that doesn't matter. If you are following them, then you'd be able to do a search and you would have seen their avatars at the park. Correct. That's right, yeah. And basically, if you're in Delphi, even some of the furthest points, you're talking about a 15 to 20-minute drive to get there. Right, So did this person of interest, was he there? Uh, Like law enforcement says, if that car isn't connected to the killer at 12 or 1 o'clock, maybe, because maybe it was set up that way, or maybe it's a situation where... The person was tracking them through Snapchat.
4: Yeah, it's that's yeah, it's very possible he would. Uh, uh, and then you know, like you said, he would be just a minute's drive, a short minute's drive away from being able to to uh, access the bridge from anywhere you know in that area. So,
1: well, we know that DP knew their family. They they knew right. the victim. Yep. DP knows. Yeah. The the,
4: yeah. Yeah, one of the things he says on, on social media is that he knew the girls and he had ridden the bus with them before. I think he lived maybe half a mile, <clears throat> but uh, admitted to you knowing the family. Yeah, I don't know how well, you know, I don't know how well they were different ages. I think DP at the time was 22 or 23. Uh, obviously, he was, you know, seven or eight years older than Abby uh, or Libby would have been. So,
1: but we believe that DP rode the bus with Libby, lived within a couple miles from them. Also, DP's uh, sister-in-law was one of their softball coaches.
4: Yeah, D- DP's brother, Quentin' wife, was, was Libby's softball, one of the Libby's softball coaches.
2: Why haven't we arrested? If, if everything that you guys are saying is, in fact, true, it doesn't seem like that difficult of a case. And where I'm going with that is a couple things. Okay, so we can we can sit here and analyze and question and speculate as to why Libby reset her phone, but what we do what i what I want to make sure that we're really touching on is there are facts there are a lot of facts that are known in this case. it just takes a lot of different locations and a lot of different places to peel them from and piece them together now, in regards to her phone the the statement from Libby's family was that the phone was actually a factory reset that was conducted by Tara, her aunt. Mm -hmm. And the, they, the phone required the reset because the phone was not working properly because it was an iPhone six and everybody remembers old phones. They fill up very quickly with too much stuff and they have no memory left. And then they don't work at all. And part of the reason why they had trouble locating the girls was that there was apps, you know, find my phone and, and things like that on, on the phone. But because of that factory reset, those apps had not been uploaded once again to the phone. Right. So we, we know that the factory reset happened. We know that Tara was the one, according to Libby's family, was the one that conducted the factory reset.
1: Okay. So that's so.
2: where, that's where I question a little bit how much was if we're if we're making if we're going to make the leap and say that Libby was hiding something.
1: It, you're it you're missing little, the fact that she asked for the factory reset.
2: No, I'm not missing that fact. I, obviously, she she would have had to have a conversation with somebody mm-hmm. for it to be conducted. She didn't do the factory reset because she didn't know how to. Right.
4: Yeah, I think that I think again. You know, she would have lost everything. She would have lost all. You know, she she liked to take pictures and, and photographs. I think she would have lost all of that. I think the the first question would have been, you know, if you're having a glitch, how do I save? How do I save all my photos and all that kind of stuff? I don't want to get rid of. But what we've been told is that she just asked for a reset. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're lying. I'm not saying that the, they're lying. I'm, I'm saying that uh, I think there's a reason for the reset. Maybe other reasons, other than, the than, reasons than, other than been just been a glitch. Some a girl that age would take all her photos, she would lose all that. I mean, that seems uh, more problematic to me than.
2: And that factory reset happened ten days before, right? That's the murders. right. The other thing that I do want to make sure that we bring up as well is that the family has gone on the record saying that, of course, Libby was on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram, and her Becky and Mike had her passwords as well as they
4: were friends on all four yeah i you know i don't know that, that that's a, that the phone is a huge piece of evidence in this case i think it it may explain the you know the fact that she that somebody that somebody knew she was going to be there that day or or, or and she had been uh, speaking with someone but i don't know that that you know i don't because i don't think it, it there's anything Uh, Absolute about it. I don't think you can draw anything absolute coming out of, you know, because he, you know, he, this guy's admitted he knew her, admitted, you know, so it's not like he was, uh, he was was that secret about that.
1: Yeah. And I believe at one point he was friends with Libby on Facebook. Yeah. So, you know, I I think, uh, again, I I think Nick's point is very valid. It's like, well, if you just believe everything she said, she reset this phone because there was a glitch she still yeah. she would have still had to do all that stuff and maybe she said look this phone is constantly not working i don't care if it saves any of the stuff i just want my phone to work yeah so yeah and i, w- yeah. I
2: want to be clear here i'm not challenging either one of you guys i'm just what i'm pointing out or challenging the theory itself i mean there could be any mil- there could be a million reasons why she wanted the there could be a million reasons why she wanted the phone reset. All I'm trying to do as we lay out this theory is there, again, there are known facts or statements from the family and from other individuals. And I want to make sure that yep. we are presenting that from all sides. So right. when we're throwing speculation here. It's, it's, it's more than fair to do so because that's all we're left with at this point. But along the way, I am going to, remind of, of of what few facts that we do know to be or statements from the family i just want to make sure that i'm presenting those as we go because it'd be irresponsible yeah. to not do so uh and then the the statement in regard to libby's phone from law enforcement is that uh facebook snapchat twitter instagram and all online contacts were uh things all of that was accessed analyzed and all online contacts tracked down and interviewed. The other thing, when we talk about technology, that's bizarre here in this case that we don't have an arrest is that we know that ISP Indiana State Police did subpoena the phone records for any phone that pinged within a five mile radius of the Monon High Bridge uh, during that time frame that day. So they've got a a long list of of phones that they know to have been in that area at that time
4: yeah that'd be another reason for someone to come, come forward knowing their phone had pinged there i mean if my phone if i knew my phone was anywhere near there and it pinged there i'd come forward too i'd just be I, that that goes again to, toward why would you come forward
2: right but the reason why i'm going down this path is because it's sounding more and more to me like this is not a Random. I'm looking for any type of victim here at the trail or near the bridge. It sounds it's sounding more and more to me like this that one or both of these girls were targeted. And yeah,
4: in my opinion, if one, to was, go one down, was definitely targeted,
2: and for it to go down that day in this manner, the perpetrator needs to know that they're going to be there that day, and the phone is one way that he could have known as the right. captain has pointed out now yeah. the the difficult thing too here also is the um statement from law enforcement in regards to additional audio that was uh found on the phone from that video and to be clear there's only one video the the picture we have is from the video the audio we have is from that video there was one video as far as what we've been told by law enforcement and the additional audio is briefly described as typical girl talk, but also discussing the man and where they could be going. Again, it gets a little tricky to me if they, if one of them or both of them may have known the suspect right I mean don't don't they say his name or or give there i mean there's there's a whole mountain of reasons why we don't have somebody in handcuffs waiting on a trial right now
4: yeah, well, in my opinion, to be honest with you is the first two years of the uh again Carter says in the press conference, we're just beginning, we're just mm. now beginning, okay, that tells me let's throw away the first two years. Somebody duped law enforcement into believing something that they wasn't went down true.
2: the wrong path, yeah.
4: They went down the wrong path and gave this guy two years to cover every track, to get rid of every piece of evidence, to get his story right, to follow the case, which they have uh, talked about numerous times that they re- they know this guy is keeping up with the case, following it. And uh, so that first two years. Plus, another thing that, that hasn't been discussed is if this guy is brought in as a witness. Okay, they're gonna, they, they possibly have some Miranda issues. This guy wasn't read his rights before he, uh, start before he just, you know, when he said he went in to help law enforcement. That, you know, is that, is that, are they gonna have, do they, does the district attorney think, realize that? And does law enforcement or the police realize that? The ISP and, and Carroll County realize that, hey, we may have some Miranda problems because this guy was interviewed as a witness and anything he said, Uh, whether we think it's a lie or not can't be used because he wasn't read his rights.
2: That's very interesting. while your subscription is active.
1: Well, and one of the things that you talked about is, well, why would they go with DP's version of the sketch as opposed to somebody else's? And it could be the small town factor. DP comes from a prominent family, and you think that played into some of their decisions, or also the fact that he did work for the county when he was in high school.
4: Yeah, he like I said, he designed the uh, uh, county website, and yeah, I think that I think again, I think the the uh, small town aspect in this case can't be overplayed. I mean, I think it's just. I think it's huge, and how small town people feel, and if law enforcement saw a kid coming from a prominent family who everybody knows who says he's a witness, there's no reason for them not to believe it. And I think in 2018, when the when the Georgia Bureau of Investigation got involved because they wanted they were doing a peer review and wanted a fresh set of eyes, I think that's probably the time that they realized something doesn't add up with these stories. Something doesn't add up with your witness stories. Something doesn't add up about the vehicle. Something doesn't add up about the timeline. And they were able to take the bias and the prejudice out of it that the local guys may have had that, Hey, it couldn't be this guy because like it or not, that happens. I mean, law law enforcement makes mistakes just like everybody else. You know, they're human. And when the GBI came in, they were able to take the bias out of it and, I think that's when they realized that, hey, maybe the stories that we've been told, we've been led down the wrong path. We've been uh, we've been lied to. And that's and that's why they, then, you know, not shortly thereafter, uh, at the beginning of 2019 in April, they re, they re, do the press conference and release the new sketch, a sketch ske- again, a sketch they had two or three or four days after the murders. You know, and again, wh- they I think they released the first one because older sketch because they thought that was more along the lines of what they were seeing on the video and they had witnesses who said they saw him. So that, that seems like the likely, that seems like the obvious way to go, right? Is to release that one. That's the guy. When the GBI came in and they looked over everything, they realized, Hey, we, you know, things aren't the way they seem. And that sketch that we had originally is more in line with who we think this guy is,
1: and I, I wonder if that, if at that point did, did they go over multiple interviews or did they re, because, because Carter have said this multiple times, when we you know run out of leads we go back to the beginning, and it's right, like that's right and at some that's point exactly.
4: that's a good point yep
1: when they went back to the beginning and and maybe. I mean, we have online DP saying that I've talked to law enforcement multiple times. Well, is it, right. was it the second time that they talked to you that your story didn't make sense with your first story yeah. or that well, yeah. Cheyenne's story didn't match your story or Cheryl's story didn't match your story or, or Shelby Hicks's story didn't match your story.
4: Right. Yeah. I think, I think that the time, the timeline is the most important thing. Cause again, I go back to what I said originally about, the perp not wanting to be under that bridge between two thirty and three thirty, you know, DP admitted to a source that he was the reason that uh, or he was part of the arguing couple. Okay, and the reason the reason for that was he explained it as that they explained away why the girl he was with didn't see BG. They said they ran into BG or, or BG walked past them. The girl he was with didn't see her, and the reason was because they were arguing. Okay. Now, if you're part of the arguing couple, and Derek runs into FSG around three twenty, and he's coming from the high bridge, and tells Derek that he had just heard an arguing couple under the bridge, but just before that, puts arguing couple guy under that bridge around three o'clock.
1: Right, but that's what he said online. But what is he saying to law enforcement? We don't know. Right, right. No, he says I'm part of arguing couple well, who's the girl you're with? Well, it was my fiance. And they go talk to her, and she goes, I wasn't there. Yeah. Well, it was this girl. Uh, because then that would have made basically the first time they ever talked to him uh, suspicious. And, right. But, but I think that's really why he jumps out to me is when he's constantly changing his stories online, and you can actually see what he posted and go, well, that doesn't make any sense with the last thing he posted. And this guy's also claiming to be there also claiming to be an eyewitness. But like you said, okay, I'm part of arguing couple that's under the bridge about three o'clock, anything under the bridge to me is part of the crime scene, because we have, we have the audio clip of them saying uh, of, of the murderer saying guys down the hill.
4: Correct. And we know that, uh, the most likely way they got to where they ended up, uh, where they were found would have been down the hill by the, under the bridge, uh, cro- you know, down across that private drive over the Creek and then to the final spot. Um, so yeah, you, he would have known definitely that, you know, they would have definitely known he was there at that time, or he would definitely have been there at that time. If he's, if he's admitting to being, uh, arguing couple, maybe, maybe that was the, uh, statement that, was problematic in terms of, you know, Hey, you know, I used it to explain away why the girl didn't see it, but it's backfired because of what FSG and, and also may tie into why he says, why he recanted about the original and said, maybe he thought he saw FSG. He's trying, you know, because he knows that puts him there in that spot. And again, that's the last place the perp wants to be is, near that bridge, under that bridge, between 2.30 and 3.30. So
2: one thing I'm a little unclear on of here, Skip, is the uh, regardless of what girl he what woman he claims he was there with, has this woman been identified and saying that they were there with DP that day?
4: She hasn't come out publicly, no. Now what's been said, right. to, like you know, like the captain said, what's been talked about to law enforcement, I don't know, but she, nobody's publicly come out and said they were with DP that day. Okay,
2: so if he is, if he was in fact there by himself, Mm. that seems a possibility we don't have anybody stating I was the person he claimed to have been there with in either story. Correct. Because both stories have him with somebody else. Correct.
1: But when Cheyenne sees him, is he with somebody? She says he's with,
4: yeah, she's his one corroborating, uh, but again, there's nobody there to that says they saw her. We don't know that she was there and her stories changed um multiple times, you know.
2: Her her story carries a little weight because of the posting of that picture.
4: But if you look at it, yeah, yeah, you'd have to you'd have to uh decide for yourself whether you think the legitimacy of that photo. I mean, I am not saying it's not it, it's a real photo. I'm not I, we don't we don't know 100% everything about it. Uh she said she went there to take photos that day and she she showed just a couple of pictures. I mean, what, you know, seems like you'd take an, you would take a lot if you went there to take photos. Well,
1: and there was stuff that was wrong with the timestamps too.
4: Right. Yeah. Her, the timestamp said an hour difference than uh, what she claimed it was. Right.
2: See, I thought she had posted something.
4: She did. She just that was the problem. It didn't. It didn't, that time didn't line up with what the timestamp said.
1: Well, because at some point she's posting from across the bridge, close to the murder scene.
4: Yes, yeah, from the south side. Yeah. I think you know one of the, one of the things that I think people have questions about is is well why didn't they you know why didn't they grill him and all that kind of stuff again early on law enforcement was looking for RSOs they had there was a serial killer theory possibly FBI's putting out flyers all over the country they were going down a totally different road they were they were looking for an older guy possibly a like I said a serial killer sexual offender they weren't looking for, you know, some uh, someone in their 20s locally. And so the folks of the investigation, again, again, that's why Carter said we're just now beginning in the 2019 press conference, is because the information that they gathered over that period of time changed. And that's why the emphasis was on he's local, he's younger, and we have a sketch of him.
2: What is Cheyenne's motivation for pretending to be there that day
4: i don't know 100 percent, i don't i don't uh i wouldn't even really venture to guess uh what somebody's reason somebody gives somebody an alibi i mean if if people do it all the time they do it for love fear money well wait a
2: second hang on because the her motivation for pretending to be there that day would be giving dp an alibi if in fact that's not been made clear to anybody listening yet that that, so your your thought is that Cheyenne was with DP that
4: day? Uh, no. No, okay. I don't know. I don't, again, until, until somebody verifies that they saw her there, I, I don't know that she was there at all.
2: But what would be her motivation for pretending to be there?
4: Uh, like I said, it could be numerous things. Yeah, you know, people people provide alibis for other people all the time. Yeah, she she could have been doing it as a as uh, it may have been innocently at first. It may have been, you know, she he thought she knew, he needed an well he knew he needed an alibi but if he went to law enforcement and say he was there, somebody's got to play somebody's got to say yeah I saw him there. So he can't go and say can't put himself in the middle of the crime scene. So he puts himself in a different spot, but that's got to be corroborated. He knows that.
1: So, but but what's weird to me about DP being there and like again cheyenne is just the fact that there's nobody that is saying that we saw him there i mean he's admitting to be being there so we can assume he's there right but nobody is saying that they saw him where their story hasn't changed or hasn't been contradicted in some way
4: that's right that's exactly right
1: I'm getting a little lost here because I, but, but I agree with Nick where it's like, okay, but so her stories don't line up, but why would she even say at all that she was there? Why would she say that she saw him at all?
4: Um, I, don't, I mean, again, it could, it could have been, he could have, uh coerced her for whatever reason, and you know, into believing, yeah, look, he, he could, he would tell any could tell anybody, Hey, I was there, but I need somebody to say I was there. You know, I didn't, it wasn't me. Look at the video. That's not me, obviously. Um, and they would buy that, you know. And so uh, she may she may give him an alibi in it, you know, just doing it innocently. I don't know that that would still be the case. Uh, I would think that it'd kind of be hard to believe that that would still be the case. But uh, but uh, that's that could be a possible reason. That any of anybody that was giving him an alibi could have been given an alibi originally. Didn't realize what they were giving an alibi for.
2: Right. That's fair. I'm just I'm just pointing out that we're saying on with one hand that if DP says he was there, then we should believe that to be true. But if Cheyenne says she was there, we shouldn't believe it to be true or we should question well, it.
1: Well, what I think uh, we should question more is not say so much whether or not she was there, but what we do know is based off what she has told people online and what the these posts and these other things – the the timeline is very contradicted. So I would say I go to for, as far as to say DP has said he's there, he said he's an eyewitness. Cheyenne has come forward and told talked to a bunch of sources online and said that she was an eyewitness, not to Bridge Guy, but that she saw DP there, right? Right. I I question more her timeline. And so So if she says, well, I saw DP there. Okay, you saw DP there. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even matter if you saw him with a girl because if she saw him at 2 o'clock with a girl and it's at a distance, we don't know if that's not Libby or Abby.
4: Right. Plus, we don't know
1: where she's saying that she saw him at. Right. And so that's all I'm saying is that we know that her story has shifted and morphed. So I just don't. I don't even know if she's essentially lying for DP. I think she might just be, you know, all oh, well, wise. Yeah. I saw him at three, but really it was four or maybe it was two. We don't, we don't know.
4: Well, ask yourself why she was talking publicly anyway. I mean, she didn't see BG never claimed to see BG. So her, her, uh, basically her existence in the case, uh, is explaining who she saw that day. So she's coming forward and saying who she saw. She, did, she didn't see the bridge guy. So she offers nothing in terms of a witness to seeing the guy who, you know, but she is saying, oh, and she's trying to, you know, she's putting people in per- certain places. Oh, I saw this guy and he was with this girl. And I saw a girl that I didn't know was going to be there. Um, so for me, that, that's that's best she's doing is just is, uh, witnessing witnesses.
1: Yeah, but she also could be just coming online because there's such a fascination with this case. And, yeah, and, and
2: that she I think I think that she was
4: talk- that. She started talking though early before the case ever got to a point where it was had gotten crazy like this.
2: But but have I been bamboozled? Because the information I have says that Cheyenne posted a picture that afternoon. She did yeah so
4: the one is that one the so one she one that, was there
2: i mean what, that's that's what I'm trying to get to here we're we're circling around this a lot about whether she was there or not, but that doesn't that posting of the picture add to credibility of her physically being there that afternoon?
4: maybe maybe not. I mean the picture didn't look like it was even from the same day as a matter of fact okay, it, lo- it looked, that, like, that, it looked that's like what it, I was asking yeah, it looked like it had fog in it it also. Um, the timestamp that originally she showed on the picture didn't line up when she, well, when she said she was there, she possibly could have been there. could have been earlier or whatever. Um, but even, even if
2: it wasn't, let's say she's off by an hour, let's say she's off by seven hours. I, I'm not yeah. really, I don't really care about that. What mm. I'm, what I'm trying to po- point out is that we know she posted a picture that afternoon right. claiming to be there. What I'm getting at is for, for someone to go, Oh, well, I just want to be a part of this. It gets a little difficult to, you can't go back in time and post that picture to add to your credibility later that you were in fact there because that afternoon, nobody knows what had happened. It's not an event yet. It's not, it's nothing yet. Yeah. Um, we don't know until that evening that they're in fact missing. We don't know until. But the killer noon the next day that they were killed, that they were killed. But the killer. Right. Right, but we need to say that here mm. rather than dance around it. You know, we, we need to be presenting a direct story with timeline and narrative yeah. uh, for this, this well, she, she, series. Yeah, it,
4: she she offered up the photo as 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 proof that she was there because her, this isn't the first time anybody's questioned her story and not making sense. Yeah, but I
1: think what Nick is trying to point out is yeah, she offered up a photo of proof, but didn't she also post that? photo the day of the murders on her social media?
4: Uh she posted she said she posted it um yeah I think maybe. I think that was the one where the time frame was just a little, or the timestamp was off. Again, she 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 did come forward, but she her story has is, is always made sense where she says she is at a certain time has never made sense. Um again I go back to that why you know you're coming forward but why are you telling why are you saying things that don't add up and 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 changing your story and all that i I don't i don't understand that
1: yeah the story's not making sense so many people having multiple contradicting stories when you have three stories only one of them can be true why would you protect somebody that murdered a 13 and 14 year old girl absolutely makes no sense it makes you as big of a piece of shit as the murderer What are your thoughts on Skip's theory of his person of interest? We want to hear from you at truecrimegarage.com and click on the blog. And then join us back here
2: for part three here in the garage. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't let it.